Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're in Revelation chapter 11 this morning. If you're new or visiting, we covered the first two verses last week. So let's look at our text, read over it, and then we'll go over it verse by verse. Let's start in verse 1, Revelation chapter 11. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And again, if you're new, this is John the Apostle. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And we covered this last week, very important, you either have Jewish blood in you, or if you do not have Jewish blood in you, then you are a Gentile. Very important as you read your Bible that you understand that, a Gentile, or another word we called Greek. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And we learn that the holy city is Jerusalem, so for three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God, capital G, God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power, the two witnesses, to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the best, uh, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Gomorrah, where also our Lord was crucified. So that's obviously then Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and will not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice saying from heaven to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, and in the the earthquake 7,000 people were killed. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe, or the sixth trumpet, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Father, we continue in our worship of you by studying your word. Help us to take every thought captive because yesterday is gone. It's not coming back. Help us not to carry or be anxious or worry, but to bring it to the foot of the cross. And tomorrow, we have no idea if we will see tomorrow or even this afternoon. So Lord, help us right now to stay focused on your word and what you desire to teach us individually as well as corporately. 
through your word on how to be more like Jesus. That's why we're here, Father. We want to be more like Jesus. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our study this morning is going to deal with these two witnesses that suddenly show up out of nowhere. Remember, we're in a parenthetical section here, gaining additional insights into the tribulation period. So here we see that God sends two people to Israel to prophesy about the coming king, Jesus the Christ. Why two witnesses? Well, to fulfill God's word. We see in Deuteronomy 17.6, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. But also to fulfill another aspect of God's will, I believe, Hebrews 9.27. Keep this in mind. I'll reference it again towards the middle of the study. And as it is appointed for men... As you look up the word men there, it's mankind, so male, female. As it is appointed for every male, every female to die once, no reincarnation, no second chance, you're going to die once. And then what? But after this, the judgment. Now, unfortunately, we don't know the exact time these two witnesses show up on the scene in the tribulation. But we do see their ministry is completed before the, as we just read, the second woe is passed. We can also speculate that the seventh trumpet or third woe is going to appear relatively close to the end of the seven-year tribulation. And why would I say that? Well, because the bold judgments are going to happen very quickly, one right after another, and then the second coming of Jesus to physically step foot on this earth once again. But what I see here is that once again, we see the grace and mercy of God in the midst of tremendous turmoil. So important. Don't ever accept the argument that God is not merciful or gracious. Don't ever accept the argument. Well, where is your God of love? He's on the throne. And would you like to know him? Because he is gracious and he is merciful, but he is also just. Is also just. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. And this is one verse of hundreds of verses that you can read about God's compassion, God's grace, God's long-suffering, God's mercy, so forth and so on. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. You see, earlier on in the tribulation, God anointed 144,000 Jewish males to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the earth. And here we see again God sending two witnesses to warn people throughout the whole world of impending danger and to point them to the God of the whole universe for three and a half years. We've seen God's mercy several times already in the first half of the tribulation, and here, once again, we see it. So let's pick it up in verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Three and a half years. A couple things to notice here. Notice that God gives them power. And that they are God's witnesses. Very, very important. I believe prophecy at this point is foretelling, is not foretelling, but 
forth telling. I personally believe these two witnesses have already been in heaven. They've been in heaven for a few thousand years. They know the word of God. They know what is going to take place. Are they God? No. Do they know everything? No. They're human beings. So they're limited, so to speak. And so when they come and they start telling people what to do, it's not going to be about foretelling. The world already sees what's happening. They see the devastation. The word of God was, is still there. The church is removed, but the Holy Spirit is still there. We know that people are going to get saved. Matter of fact, in innumerable, in innumerable people are going to be saved out of the Great Tribulation period. So these two men are going to be forth-telling. Telling what? Repent. Repent. You can have a relationship with God. Just repent. The Antichrist will be furious about this, but he can't do anything about it. You see, God's got a plan. He's going to execute that plan perfectly. Well, how does God empower them? Verse 4, just read your Bibles. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. What does that mean? Well, that's why I encourage you on a regular basis to read from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation. Read systematically the whole Word of God. Get a reading schedule and read, read year after year, and it's going to come to your mind. I, you know, that sounds familiar. Where is that? Oh, and you go to a concordance, or you go to Blue Letter Bible, you type in some words, and all of a sudden you're going to find, oh, this is Zechariah chapter 4. This is talking about possibly Zechariah chapter 4. You see, Zechariah was a prophet who was alive during the time of the Israelites coming back to re-inhabit Jerusalem after being held captive for 70 years in the land of Babylon. They're rebuilding the temple under the hand of Zerubbabel, the governor. The work was very hard. And the enemies around Jerusalem harassed the workers. It was a very trying time for the Israelites. So God sent a message to them through the vision of a prophet. And we see in Zechariah chapter 4, you can read the whole chapter later on. So he answered him and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So the Holy Spirit sent a prophet to encourage specifically Zerubbabel in the work that he was doing. And he says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I'm going to make some comments that might not some of you happy. Might make some of you not happy. But this is a very important principle in our Christian faith. There's a movement coming into Christianity, and it sounds good on the outside. And it might sound really, really good. You know, if we just get Christians in every office, everything will be okay, and this country will get turned around. And it's creeping into Christianity. Christian churches, big Christian churches, that we need to just be so active in politics, it's almost like we're forgetting the gospel. Be very, very careful. We're registered. Get registered to vote. You should vote. Sign petitions. I sign petitions. But I'm not putting my hope in any party. I'm going to keep my hope in Jesus Christ. And it's not by who we can get in office that is going to save this country. There's only one person that's going to save this country, and that is Jesus Christ. And so it's not by our might 
of getting a Christian in every single office. Because, guys, if that's not God's will, it's not going to happen. And then when the voting happens on November 4th, and the results come out, and then all the whatever takes place, and all of a sudden, because you had such faith, and here was this great big plan, well, God must have made a mistake. And now you're mad at God. God doesn't make mistakes. Read his Bible. God raises up, and God brings down. Do what we should do. Be diligent. But be careful what you allow to creep into your soul. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, the work of the Lord is always accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room the night before he was crucified. John 15, abide in me and I in you. This is to you and I this morning. Abide in me. If you're abiding in Jesus Christ today, if you're truly abiding in Jesus Christ today, you're not going to be all worked up. You're not going to be worried. You're not going to be anxious. You're not going to be fearful. I believe you will be grieved because these are very grieving times. There's no question about that. But I believe your faith is going to be built in the faith even stronger, knowing that God's will is going to be accomplished on this earth. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide. Are you you hearing these words here? Unless you abide. This isn't just a come on a Sunday, get a little teaching, get a pat on the head, and leave knowing that, oh, everything's going to be okay. I don't see how any pastor can say that after the last three years. We've got to be teaching the whole counsel of God. As we abide in Christ... Everything will be okay. If we lose it all, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God has a plan. Why? I'm the vine. Not a political party. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. What kind of fruit? For without me, you can do nothing. Now, if you're young in the faith, you might think, well, I can do all kinds of things. Yes, we can do all kinds of physical things, and we should do all kinds of physical things. Yesterday, I want to thank everybody who came out to help. I want to thank all of you who brought food, dropped off food. It was a phenomenal event. Pastor Charlie's in heaven rejoicing. But the family was so so blessed. And there's no way that one or two people could have done what happened yesterday. There's probably 450 people here. They're mourning. We need to mourn over our lost ones, our loved ones that go to be with Jesus. But they had a living hope. They know where Charlie is. But I hear this on a regular basis. I just want to let you know. After the service and after everything that took place, various people came up and said, you know, you've got so many loving people around here. You guys just blessed us immensely. Thank you so much for what you've done for us today. There was no expectation on the family. We said, you just come. Don't bring anything. Whoever shows up, don't, you know, it's ours. We want to bless you. And you blessed them. And if you did it with a pure heart, in the name of Jesus Christ, out of a pure motive, you got treasure in heaven. You might not realize that. But Jesus even said, if you give a cup of cold water to one of my disciples, 
you will not lose your reward. Read your Bible. There's rewards. Jesus said, not Pastor Jim, Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. We can do all kinds of things. We can build a 401k. We can do all kinds of things. Are we going to be here to spend it? Are we going to be here to enjoy it? We can do all kinds of physical things, but it's all going to burn. What you do and set ahead of you, as Charlie did, and, and just tremendous testimonies, you want to hear when you step into heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You don't so want Jesus to say, well That's it? Just a well? I'm looking at your account here. That's all you put in. Come on. Come on. You're going to be by me during the millennial reign of Christ. But come on in. For without me, you can do nothing. Talking about spiritual things. Spiritual things. Zechariah 4, 12 through 14. And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these things are? And I said, No, my Lord. That's okay to say. I don't understand. You know, I hear this often. Well, you know, I started reading my Bible and I got to numbers and press through numbers. (laughs) There's tremendous stories in numbers if you press through. But the enemy, you know, the enemy gets into our ear and says, you're not learning anything, you're not understanding. I mean, does anybody have it all figured out? Please come up and teach. <laughs> you all don't. I know you don't. I don't. It's not what I don't know, it's what I do know. It's not what you don't know, it's what you do know. And are you allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you more? Or is it just a Sunday morning? This should be dessert. This should never be your main meal. This should always be dessert and a confirmation that we're all heading in the right direction. That's what this should be. Oh, great. There's other people that believe like I do. We're still heading in the right direction. That's what it's all about. No, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. You see, God supernaturally empowered Joshua the high priest... And Zerubbabel, the governor, via what? The Holy Spirit. To accomplish the work of rebuilding the temple. The two witnesses in Revelation are going to accomplish their ministry as well. And it will be through the power of the Holy Spirit. In which I believe is represented by the oil in Zechariah. In like manner, God will empower us through the Holy Spirit to witness about His one and only Son, Jesus the Christ. In Ephesians 3, we read this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What is that power? Is it your power? Is it your faith? If you're trusting in your power and your faith, then you're not investing in the kingdom because you think it's about you. It is not about you. It is about the Holy Spirit working through you. Yes, God needs vessels. And as we sang this morning, if you're on the wheel, so to speak, allowing the potter to shape and mold you, that's called surrender. And if you're surrendering, he's shaping you, he's molding you for maybe something this week, 
that you and I don't even know about yet. Maybe you're going to cross somebody's path and you're going to say, you know what? I don't want to know what's going on. Sometimes I'll be just going, can I just pray? Can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for you for? It might be a 30-second encounter. It might be five minutes. It might end up being five hours. Are you available? Are you available to be used by the Holy Spirit? To Him, to God. Remember what Jesus said? Let your light so shine before men, mankind, that they will see your good works and glorify you. Is that what Jesus said? Are you reading your Bible? What did Jesus say? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations. Not just to some generation. Well, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they died with the first generation church. Really? That says forever and ever. And if you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to realize the gifts did not die with the apostles. Every Christian in this room has a spiritual gift. Do you know what it is? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? If right now you go, I don't, that's okay. That's all right. Don't beat yourself up. Nobody's beating you up. But I encourage you, you have to find out what that gift is. Because if you're not using that gift, I'm not talking about talent, playing the guitar. That's not a spiritual gift. That's a talent, okay? We have earthly talents, use them as well. But more importantly, you need to know what your spiritual gift is and be using your spiritual gift. That's what's storing up treasure in heaven. You want to be storing up treasure in heaven. To Him be glory in the church. The church is where two or three are gathered. But when you leave, you, even individually, when you minister individually out there, you are the church. Not this building. This is a building. It's going to burn. So stay focused on the Holy Spirit and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the day, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. And if anyone wants to harm them, kill them, not just harm them, but kill them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. I mean, you talk about bad breath. I mean, this is intense here, man. And if anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues. Notice the earth. So again, this is, they're going to be traveling. They're going to be on planes and trains. They're going to be covering the earth to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Already the earth has been seeing tremendous plagues and now these two prophets have the ability to bring more plagues upon the world. How about the plagues? Now, again, if you're doing the daily reading, our schedule, it doesn't matter, just do a reading, but if you're doing the daily reading, our schedule, you're going, oh, we just read that. The last two days, we just read about this. Turning, Moses was through God, not Moses, but God through Moses, turned the water into blood. Frogs, the second, frogs. Frogs everywhere. Could you imagine? You go to your kitchen, you open the cupboard. First of all, you had to squash all the frogs to get to your cupboard. Then you open the cupboard and frogs are leaping out of you out of all the pans. Everywhere you look, there's frogs everywhere. You go to the bathroom, you want to go potty in peace. There's frogs in the water. You got to fish them out of the toilet. There's frogs everywhere. This is what was happening. And what's amazing, what is amazing is that Moses comes to Pharaoh Squish, 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 squish. What can I do for you? 
can you get rid of these frogs? Okay, get rid of the frogs. Why would you like me to get rid of them? I love Pharaoh's response. This is the response is Christians who are in sin. Moses says, I mean, Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not right now. Tomorrow. Okay. He goes out and he prays, and the next day the frogs are eliminated. Why not right now? Why not repent right now? Why not get right with God right now? These are what the plagues are for. Get right with God right now. You don't need to have all these plagues upon you. Get right with God right now. And they still might be upon you, but at least now you know you're going to heaven. These are what these two prophets are proclaiming. How about flies everywhere? Flies everywhere. A pestilence upon the Egyptians' livestock. Not the Jews, not the Israelites' livestock, just the Egyptians. Boils on man and beast. I mean, the boils were on the magicians, so they wouldn't come out. When Moses was around, they were so embarrassed. Hail, locust. The locust covered the earth again. Squish, 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 squish. Darkness. Darkness. How could darkness be a plague? I know I've shared this over the decades, so I'm sure some of you have heard it. But when our children were young, uh, we homeschooled, and so one time we took a a road trip, a 6,000-mile road trip with uh, six of us, and we stopped at a cavern, not a tavern, but a cavern. (laughs) We stopped at a cavern, and um, we went into these caverns below, into the bowels of the earth. And as we were going, they would flip a light on. Once we got past, there'd be another person in the back, flip the light off to protect the stalactites and all the other ites. And so as we were going along, we got to one place. It was pretty large. And the guys, they're giving their spiel. And they go, okay, we're going to turn off the lights, the lights we have. And he looks at us and basically says, hold on to your children because we're going to turn off the lights. And when they turned off the lights, you could feel Seriously, you could feel the darkness come upon you. There's no, there was no flashlight. There was no match. There was no nightlight. There was nothing. Total darkness. Wave your hand. You could not see your hand. That's the darkness. Read about it in your Bible. That's the darkness that came upon them. It says that they didn't get up for a period of time. Total darkness. So darkness is one of the plagues. Uh, death of the firstborn. I mean, that's, that's quite a list just for starters. Their ministry is going to be very intense, and as you can see, there are those who are trying to silence them or kill them. But when they try, the witnesses are able to breathe out fire and consume those who are trying to attack them. I mean, could you imagine them showing up at an airport? By this time, everybody knows who they are, three and a half years. They're going to put them, hey, put them in group one and let them sit wherever they want to sit. Let's just have peace with these guys. So who are these prophets? Well, our text doesn't tell us, but we can, pretty, we can have a pretty good educated guess. Most believe it's Moses and Elijah. The signs that these prophets perform are very similar to how God used Moses and Elijah. Elijah called down fire on his enemies on two occasions, and he was also used of God to cause the rain to cease for three and a half years in the days of King Ahab. Jesus also spoke of Elijah coming before the great and terrible day of the Lord, prophesied about in Malachi 
4, 5. When the religious elite of Jesus' day asked John the Baptist if he was Elijah, he said no. Yet Jesus said that he was Elijah. Well, Jews don't believe in reincarnation. So John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Moses was used by God to bring tremendous plagues upon the Egyptians. I already mentioned them. During the Lord's ministry, Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So just a few of these examples, and there are others, Moses and Elijah are two very good choices. But I referenced you to Hebrews earlier. It's appointed to men once to die. Moses did die. The Bible tells us that he died in the land of Moab and that God buried him somewhere in the valley within that area, Deuteronomy 34, 5 through 6. So the question then would be, are there two people that the Bible specifically references as never dying? So as you read your Bible, you're going to find out, yes, there are. Enoch, who was a pre-flood saint, or who was raptured, so to speak, and then Elijah, who was a post-flood saint, who was taken off this earth in a chariot of fire. I personally believe that these are the two witnesses, but please don't come up to me and start arguing me afterwards, because I'm not going to argue with you. I really don't care. God has a plan and a purpose. We know it's going to be two witnesses. It's not that big a deal. They will be sent back to this earth to finish their ministries as well as to come to their deaths. What a bummer after being in heaven all of those 2,000 years or more. But now exciting as well, being sent by God to do his will. That's what I want to emphasize here. I can't say 2,000 years or more because they weren't. They were in Abraham's bosom. Sorry about that. If you've ever had this experience, God used me to do that? You'll remember that your soul rejoiced over God using you for his kingdom. God used me to do that. And maybe as you're sitting there as a Bible-believing Christian, you're saying, I've never had that happen. Maybe you haven't asked God to use you. It might be that simple. Maybe you haven't asked God to use you. Or maybe because of some choices you've made, you just think you're not worthy to be used by God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God sees you as holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. Forever. Read your Bible. You put yourself on the shelf, not God. Or maybe... You're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And you, as a Christian, you just need to repent. You need to turn from that sin, repent, and say, God, I want to be used again. Or maybe you're a young believer and say, God, I want to be used for the first time. I want to be used. Please, God, use me. You'll be so blessed by how he uses you for his kingdom. So whoever these two men are, I'm sure that they are totally at peace and absolutely excited to be used by God for these three and a half years. Verses 7 through 10. When they finish their testimony, I encourage you to highlight your Bible. I have that highlighted. When they finished their testimony, the Antichrist could do nothing to them until they had finished their 
testimony. Very, very important. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Again, we know this now to be Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. I have no idea why it's three and a half days. If you figure it out, let me know. And not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth, the whole earth. See, this is a rare scene during the tribulation, but the world is rejoicing over the destruction of the righteous men of God. But notice they were not defeated until they had finished their testimony or ministry. You see, God will see us through whatever He will take us through. God will see us through whatever He will take us through. And instead of repenting of their evil deeds, the unbelievers are rejoicing over the Antichrist defeating these men who tormented their lives through various means. We notice here first in Revelation, the beast is mentioned, and we're going to see him referenced many times hereafter. The Antichrist will probably proclaim a yearly worldwide holiday, maybe even a satanic Christmas, so to speak. Again, we don't know exactly when this falls. The scene could never have happened until recent years, though. Think about this. How many people today have phones in this world? How many people? When the Antichrist comes on the scene, you know, we're giving away free phones at the border. We, when I say we, it's taxpayers' money that are giving away free phones to the illegal immigrants that are coming in. That's not racist. That's a fact. We have a legal way of coming in. We have an illegal way of coming in. Come in the legal way. But at any rate, the Antichrist, I believe, is going to give every single person a phone. Could never have happened before the days we're living in. Couldn't have happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. So when your parents said, oh, you know, I've heard that, or your friends say, oh, yeah, that's been around. You want to bring these simple little facts out to them. These are the days we're living in. Could every single person on the face of the earth have a phone? Absolutely no problem whatsoever. All the major networks are going to be broadcasting this event and they're going to be totally surprised as we look at verse 11. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. We don't know if this is summertime, if it's summertime and their bodies are out in Jerusalem. They're probably starting to bloat. It's probably looking pretty gross by this time. But the networks are zoomed in. Hey, send presents. This is fantastic. Our leader, the Antichrist, got them. But then all of a sudden, their arm starts to move. Their head starts to move around a little bit. All of a sudden, the, the, the TV camera zooms in on their chest. And their chest is starting to go up and down. And somebody in their mind is going, uh-oh. And then they start to maybe shake a little bit. and Oh, man. Those stones kind of hurt. I have no idea how they were killed, but we're back. And they both stand up. All the cameras on them, national, worldwide alert. Your phones are automatically... Now, you, I know you have total control over your phone, and nobody could ever have control over your phone, right? I know that, right? 
And all of a sudden, your screen goes to this exact picture. And every single person on the face of the earth is going to be watching this. Hey, there are those guys. What? They're moved. They're standing up. What in the world is going on? Notice the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet and great fear <laughs> fell on those who saw them. Yeah, I bet. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven. I get the picture of Jesus. The disciples. Jesus starts going up. The angels come on. What are you guys doing gawking? Get busy. He's coming back the same way he left. It's okay. He'll come back. So all of a sudden, these guys start to go up. They're caught into a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake. Now, we know this is Jerusalem. And a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. I mean, talk about being exact in prophecy. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Well, how could that be? How could that be? Well, our current administration with the current president says that he's a Roman Catholic. So if you're a Roman Catholic, supposedly you're giving glory to God. Supposedly. Yet this is the very same man who is now going around the country promoting abortion. And that if we don't get every young person to vote for me, your rights as a woman are going to be taken away from you. And the main theme is abortion. We've got to kill babies. And you have the freedom to kill babies. And we've got to make sure that we don't let anybody take that from you. Hmm. Glorifying God, but not repenting of obvious sin. So it would be easy how this could take place. It's easy to see. Yeah, they're glorifying God. But they're still not believing. They're still trapped in their own sin. They're still trapped in unrepentance. We don't care. Yeah, that was God, but we don't care. We're going to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Because we're being driven from the forces of hell. And that's what's taking place in our country today. Destroy America through the forces of hell. Why would you ever think in America that you would have to pray for a Super Bowl event so that young children would not be raped and traumatized? So that women would not be raped and traumatized? so that men and young boys would not be raped and traumatized. Don't tell me that we're a nation seeking God. We are a people. There's people seeking God. Praise God. But we as a nation deserve judgment. So do not be surprised when judgment comes. Read your Bible. Don't put your hope in Washington, D.C. It's not going to change. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. It's the only way out. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So what can we take away from these last two studies? Well, there is going to be another temple built, and it will be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Very important, again, to remember, this could never have happened before 1967 when Israel gained control over the Temple Mount. Well, I thought Jordan had, no, Jordan is allowed to have, Israel has control of the temple. Anything goes bad on the Temple Mount, Israelite soldiers are on that Temple Mount within seconds. Israel has control of that Temple Mount. They just politically, yeah, you can say you have control over it, but we have control. 
Next thing, that God will empower us through the Holy Spirit to complete the ministry that He has called us to do. And again, that might be a five-minute ministry. might be longer, but it might just be for five minutes. Don't let the enemy neutralize you through fear. For myself included, the first thing, one of the first things that happened to us is what? Fear of rejection. If I open my mouth, that's not going to be received. They're going to mock me. They're going to ridicule me. Blah, 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 blah. That's typically the first thing that comes into our minds. You just have to let go of that. So you know what? Whatever. God, you're telling me to do this. Pray right then and there. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. I need more of your Holy Spirit. And then do what you're called to do. It is that simple, but yet you have to be aware of that, work through that process very quickly. And he will. He will give you the strength. Lastly, that we are going to be called home when our time on earth is complete. No one leaves early or late, but everyone is right on time with God overseeing that fact. Charlie went home right on time. I mean, it's mind-boggling. I like listening. I like reading certain articles. I'm just like, man. Like, what popped in my mind right now, it's not my note, but there was a foreign student in Chicago, foreign ex- a foreign student, studying. He's on a train. The train is moving. A bullet comes through the train, hits him in the head, and he's instantly killed. I mean, those stories are just mind-boggling to me. A half a second in either direction. No issue. A millisecond. That's what drives home the point. God is sovereign, guys. And you're not getting out early or late. You're getting out right on time. So do something before you get out. So you have something waiting for you. That's Jesus' exhortation. I'm just trying to be that messenger here. Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven where thieves can't break in and steal, where rust does not corrupt, where moths don't eat. I think if Jesus said it, we better listen to it. Because it has something to do with further on down the road. Psalm 139, 16 says this, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. God knows the exact moment You're going to take your last breath. Be ready to take your first breath in heaven. You don't want to take your first breath in hell. Make the right choice. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your word and that even during the great tribulation, you are so merciful. You you take no delight. Your word says you take no delight in the destruction of the wicked. So, Father, we thank you and praise you that even during the great tribulation, your Holy Spirit is going to be active. As we've already studied, an innumerable multitude is going to be rejoicing at your throne that came out of the great tribulation. So, Father, even right now, we pray for our family members who have heard the truth but are rejecting it. And if the rapture happened today, most likely they would be in the great tribulation. So, Father, we pray via your Holy Spirit that they would repent and receive Jesus prior to that moment in time. And, Father, help us, give us strength via your Holy Spirit to keep praying for them. And for this week, as we go about our business, that we'd be available, whatever that looks like. 
here on this campus or elsewhere. And Father, I personally, again, thank you for all the people who brought food yesterday, for all the saints who served, setting up and laboring throughout the day and tearing down. And what a blessing, Lord, to see your body working effectively, all the various members working together, loving each other, loving on outside people coming in. Lord, what a tremendous blessing to step back and to see you working in our midst. Father, continue to work in our midst, and I know you will, because we're surrendered for your will to be done in our lives. So, Father, whatever this coming week looks like, you already know. We just pray that we would fulfill Ephesians 2.10. We'd be ready to walk in those ordained moments. We thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvarycleancreek.org.